can I pray for you? That'd be great, Daryl. Okay, let's just pray for pray for Jane as she pre presents the uh, message th this morning. Lord, I just um, pray that you settle Jane, that you give her clarity of thought, that you give her peace, which is not of her own, and just help her, Lord, just to present your word with um, yeah, with 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 clearness and that you prepare also our hearts and our minds to re to receive this message which you're going to speak through Jane. I pray this in your name. Amen. Um, can everybody hear me okay and see that PowerPoint? Is that shared okay? Yeah, it's good, Jane. Thanks. Yep. Um, uh, John Wendell asked me to share um, and we didn't have a particular topic. So I was just going to um, do some kind of reflections on Abraham um, and how I guess he's just inspired me to think about what it looks like to live in the gap, the gap between the reality where we are and what God has promised to us um, personally as a church and as his people throughout thousands and thousands of years. Um, yeah, I just wanted to go on a bit of a journey of remembering um, what he shows us about who we are and who God is, what God is like, like Daryl was talking about. I wanted to talk about Abraham's story, what God's call was and his promise to Abraham, what Jesus shows us in, in what that promise, um, how that it then expands and how Jesus fulfills that um, partially, what that big promise was to Abraham. And then where we fit in and how we are still part of how God is fulfilling that promise to Abraham um, to the rest of the world. Um, just read from Genesis 12, 1 to 9, which is when God comes and calls Abraham. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram travelled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and A on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. Um, it's a story a lot of you are probably fairly familiar with. This is the beginning of a very long story for Abram and then becomes the Israelite people and then all the way to us here now. Um, but in Abram's story, we know that um, any of you have looked into it, it's definitely worth a look. 
um, that there's lots of up and downs, that Abram um, has lots of times of saying to God, where, where is this promise? You're, you're telling me that I'm going to be a great nation. Um, I haven't even got any kids. I'm 75. My wife's barren. She has been for years and years. We're old. We're dried up. We've got nothing else to offer, really. God, I'm sure, must have been going through his head at points. Um, and yeah, and his journey is pretty up and down, but he gets to go on a pretty big adventure and he sees God get him out of lots of different scrapes and he sees God give him two kids that we know of and um, and then obviously we know now looking back in history that so much of that promise has been fulfilled in ways that I'm sure Abraham never, um, his name was changed to Abraham, um, he never would have been able to imagine or foresee. I just wanted to look at, at the call. Um, sorry, I'm flipping back through. But I think at the beginning of that chapter, one of the really key things in there is that Abraham is called out. He's called, his family was a nomadic kind of family. It seems like they've already traveled a bit. They've settled with his extended family. Um, and I sort of just mentioned, but like his, his family line was going to end with him. That was going to be the end as far as we can tell in the biblical narrative of the people who knew um, God as Yahweh, the one God, um, and it looked like that was not going to continue. They weren't having kids. Um, but at a, the ripe old age of 75, Abram is called out into the unknown, and God doesn't really give him much of a roadmap. He just says, go, gives him these big sweeping promises and then says, I'll tell you on the way where we're going. Um, and, and I think that that same call is one that we are all um called to in a way of Jesus says something very similar of come follow me and, and I'll tell you on the way my spirit will be with you I think this is a similar call for all of us um, and I think when we look at Abram's Abraham's life he does some pretty bad things one of the ones that's really stood out to me as I've gone back through is that he um, kind of puts his wife up twice to be somebody else's wife just to save him and his um, family's own skin um, it's not kind of someone we would think of as a model husband or father of our faith, but I think the thing that really marks Abraham's life that is reflected on again and again in scripture and, and by us now is that he was somebody of faith. He chose um, to believe God's promises. And, and though he fails at that at times, he keeps stepping out again and again um, at great risk to himself, at great risk to his family and all of the people and possessions connected to him. He continues to believe God's promises even when they don't make any sense and to continue to live into that. And I think that is why he is held up as one of the heroes, or the, the kind of founder of our faith in lots of ways. Um, yeah, and this promise to Abraham, um, I've sort of broken it down into four parts there. He promises that he will make, God will make Abraham a great nation and bless him, that he, that he will have personal blessing, um, him and his family, I guess, but that's part of the promise is that personal blessing. He promises that he will make his name great and that he will be a blessing. So that personal blessing seems to have an outflowing that he's going to be a blessing to others. And God doesn't promise that Abraham will have a happy life or that everything will work out for him, but he does promise essentially to father him, to have relationship with Abraham, to hold him to a covenant, to take the cost on this Yahweh God um, when he knows that Abraham will fail, but he says that he will continue to walk with him. He makes a covenant with Abraham and he says, those who bless you, I will bless. Those who curse you, I will curse. He's, he's talking about this relationship that we see throughout the rest of the Bible continues with Abraham and his people. 
Um, and he says this thing that must have seemed pretty crazy to Abraham at the time, but that he would bless the entire world through Abraham. Um, I was just trying to think about the nature of this promise and, and this kind of picture was helping me to think about it as if Abraham is over here on the left-hand side here and God makes this big promise that we've just gone through. I think Abraham, the, I sort of conceptualise it as these little hills of Abraham can see he's, as his eye vision, if he has a long view, he's aiming towards this big mountain at the end, this big promise that God will bless all the people on earth through him, that he will have this promised land coming, um, that he will have as many descendants as there are stars in the sky, it says later, is something God says to him. Um, but he never gets to see that eventuate fully. He only sees these partial little bits. He sees this first hill. And then we kind of see a bit further into history, we see this next hill. The first hill that he sees, I think, is that he does see a miraculous conception, really, of Sarah <clears throat> after he tried a few of his own ways. Sarah has a baby. And God asks him to give that up again. <laughs> like it's just this constant kind of um, testing. Does he really believe that God is going to be the one to fulfill that promise? Um, but he does see God come through in really amazing ways to protect him, um, bringing them out of dangerous situations. He sees um, this personal relationship with God that I don't think anyone in the Bible, to, or maybe outside of the Garden of Eden, had had up in that till that point in the story. Um, and then as we kind of look back, we can see that out of Abraham has been the founder of three major world religions, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, that we see God did make him into a great nation and, and more in some ways. Israel, people came from Abraham's line um, and God continues to, to res, um, respect and expand that covenant of walking with the Israelite people. Um, and then we see and another phase when Jesus comes and then with us, we see God is still continuing um, to expand that family of Abraham as we are now invited into that family. I'll just talk about that a bit more in a minute. Um, this is a picture that I often come back to that is just, I feel like for me, captures or it explains well what God's big story is going on. Um, and I just wanted to put Abraham in the context of that quickly. This circle here represents um, the, the time that we are in now, I guess, that started, if this is a timeline, this line here started with creation and the fall where God had relationship, he made the world, and then it kind of went wrong. And Abraham is the beginning of, or in some ways, of God saying, I am going to stick with humanity. I'm going to have a relationship with you, Abraham. And I'm going to, and he makes these promises that we've just gone through. And Abraham can't see into the future, like I've just talked about. But when we see that when Jesus comes, he, he brings a new age where um, the sickness and the evil that we see around us in our hearts and around us is kind of turned in on itself. Um, and Jesus, um, from the promise with Abraham, Jesus, sorry, I'm just losing my train of thought a little bit. Um, he, um, oops, oh no, sorry guys. Um, he shows this new hill, that new view of what the promise to Abraham was that um, Jesus was from the line of Abraham and he opens up that lineage um, of being Abraham's sons and daughters, of carrying on that legacy of faith, that legacy of God's promise to journey with us. He opens that up, 
that up to us, to the Gentiles who were not Jewish. Um, and he offers that we can be part of that, which just exponentially expands that promise of God fulfilling Abraham having as many descendants as there are stars in the sky, that we all people who choose to respond to the gift of Jesus now can be part of Abraham's line. Um, he um, And that promise of us being a blessing continues as well. And Jesus just, um, I guess, expanded that blessing um, in not just us, not just offering that picture of us being able to be fathered by God in the way that Abraham had, but also offering us such a beautiful picture of what God is like with us as a person experiencing the same things as us and then giving us his spirit to live in us. Um, And then the promise to bless the entire world through Abraham, that's kind of how we know that that then came into being through Jesus and through that expanding of God's spirit into his people, us now, that that's, that's how God is fulfilling that part of God blessing the world through Abraham, that through Abraham came this evolving story of how God um, is doing relationship with humans, how he wants to change the world um, through us and make everything new. and. Um, that now through his spirit we can be part of Abraham's children, like expanding that more and more. Um, and so I guess I just did want to spend a little bit of time just thinking about like as, as the church, as Abraham's children, what does it look like for us to live between the gap between where we are, particularly in COVID, where we've been isolated. I know lots of people have been having lots of stuff that's been hard. I found it pretty hard being just with um, two two-year-olds for such a long time during lockdown. It's been really nice to come out of that. Um, but I think there's just this daily wrestle. Sometimes it seems like it's a big thing. We've got big decisions to make and, and we're at a crossroads in our lives. Other times it's just the ongoingness of day after day of the same hard stuff. Sometimes what does it look like to have this long view like Abraham, like this picture shows about what it looks like to keep God's promises um, as what is guiding us and to be living into that? What does it look like to keep following that picture of Abraham who um, and who responded to God's call to go out, to go out from security, to go out from his family, to go out and follow God and trust God on the way to show him what will happen? I think we don't really ever get to test that out unless we keep stepping into obedience in faith. We don't actually get to see God come through for us. Um, yeah, and what does it look like for us to be a blessing individually and as a church? Um, this is a diagram that I have borrowed from a friend of mine in Kyle's called Pete Volkowski, um, and he, I've drawn it myself, but he talks about this as being um, three different kind of common faith trajectories that we can see in Christians. <laughs> um, often the black lines here represent Often in our kind of young teenage years or young adulthood, we can get really excited about faith and Jesus and take lots of risks, potentially step out, be passionate um, and see God come through. Maybe we are involved in a youth group, maybe we go overseas on a short-term missions trip, maybe we're sharing our faith a lot or involved in street evangelism or like whatever that is. Um, and then sometimes just the kind of life catches up with us or we lose our kind of momentum or we... 
um, get distracted for so many different reasons, but then we sort of start to just lose that passion and lose that ability to keep stepping out in risk and intimacy with Jesus and our life can kind of go on these sort of peaks but then eventually just sort of get less and less as we get older. Um, another common trajectory is that we kind of take faith seriously as we're getting older and then we just kind of maintain momentum. We keep going to church regularly. We keep being faithful. We're faithful to our family. We try and love as best we can but at, there's a lot of our life where we're just kind of in that daily grind of just going through the motions of our responsibilities and and there's a lot of like um, goodness in that but I think that that this story of Abraham shows us a picture of more than that of of this adventure that God calls us on um, that is about stepping into continuing to listen to his voice and continuing to step into those spaces um, and that's what I love, love my life to look like at the end. And we'll see how we go. But that's this, this green picture of um, peaking and then continuing to listen to God. And, and this doesn't, this could mean that you become a missionary and go overseas, but it could mean that we just keep pressing into risk, that we keep resisting those voices in our society that let us get distracted, that we, we um, just ruthlessly pursue Jesus at the cost of, um, of pursuing the Australian dream or of letting our, even good things like our family and friends become the thing that, that drives us or um, letting our work become the thing that takes up most of our attention, letting our um, children become an excuse for not actually pursuing Jesus. And, and I'm not saying that this means um, it's always exciting. A lot of it is in those decisions to choose um, like vulnerability with my husband when I just want to put up walls and, or to choose to keep being um, open to sitting in spaces of unknowing with God and say, God, this is what I want. This is what you've promised. But um, but I'm not there to be able to lament and grieve with God is, is part of that journey, I think, as well. Um, sorry, I'm getting a little bit sidetracked. I think something I just want to reflect on as well is that I think at St. Clair we come from a rich history at our church of people who have stepped out. Our um, church was essentially a church plant. How many years ago, Daryl and Pauline? 30? I think about 25, I think. Um, and I uh, listening to quite a few of you who've been part of the church that long, Daryl and Pauline, a bit more recently. It's um, it's just really apparent that we have people who are willing to go um, into those places with God, and that we have that history as a church. Um, and I think um, that picture of Abraham of being blessed and being a blessing. I think that picture of Saint Clair as being a blessing and as being a place where people can experience the family of God is something I see um, having come in externally. That's five years ago now, I think. Um, that's something I think that really characterises this church is that it is a church where it is an extended family and there are so many people here who are willing to be God's hands and feet. Um, and I, I remember when we visited, I mean, we used to just always get an overwhelming reception when I would visit with Kyle, my husband, of people saying, when are you going to move back to Sydney? And I never even lived here before. Um, and I remember one time visiting Richard and Pearl's house. And I think we might have shared a little bit about being in a rocky season. Um, and I remember Pearl just saying to me, I think she could sense that I was feeling a bit emotional. I was at a bit of a crossroads um, in my relationship and I felt God like calling me to move to Sydney to 
probably save my marriage really. Um, but I thought it was a bit stupid to do that and move where I didn't know anyone. And I just remember Pearl holding my hand. She didn't know all of that. She just said to me, Jane, this is a safe place. Our house is a safe place for you if you move here. And I just really believed her. And I feel like that, that, that this church um, has showed me that in so many ways. And since then, lots and lots of people have journeyed with us and God has worked in my life and in so many other people's lives through so many people who are willing to get their hands dirty and journey with people in the mess. Um, and I think that that is a huge part of what it looks like to keep following um, in that call on our lives as a church. And I, I'm excited and praying into what that looks like as we as a church continue to step into whatever God has next as after this COVID season. Um, and, relying on him to be the one to fulfill that promise but that we have a part in that whether we want to keep being available whether we want to keep stepping into that next chapter and not just relying on the stuff of the past but and not trying to strive and feel like we have to do it all ourselves either but of what does it look like to listen to God and to radically follow in obedience to him um, out of his strength and it's not easy to figure that out but that's the vision I feel like um, yeah, and it's just reflecting on different ways that that call comes to us. I think we all need to have an individual sense of God's call and a decision to follow him if we want to go on that journey. Um, and, that yeah, sometimes that call is a vocation. I'm going to call you to be a doctor. I'm going to call you to be an electrician. Maybe maybe we just choose that and we try and, and do the best with um, doing that in service to God and his story. Sometimes it's a call to leave behind things. Sometimes it's a call to love faithfully people often who are very close to us and it's very hard and unseen and no one sees that. What does it look like to be obedient, to love my children as if they are eternal beings, love my husband, my wife, my um, parents, my friends and housemates? What does it look like to love these people who it's really easy in our society to cut ourselves off in lots of ways. Um, we can live really um, delocalized from people if we want. We can just present ourselves certain ways but maybe God is calling us into deeper relationships into actually being his hands and feet to those people um, what does it look like yeah in this season to live as if eternity really matters now um yeah so I think it's been a little bit rambly I'm sorry but I just wanted to give you guys a couple of minutes as we finish off to think about if this is us as God's church, if this is us as individual people, what does it look like? What is the promises today that God wants to remind us um, of where we're aiming for, of what we're, what he is doing and what does it look like to try and live into that space um, rather than getting distracted by so many other messages that are going on around us? Um, and, and what Abraham's story tells us is that we have inherited this promise, this long view that God is blessing us personally, that he has given us um, his son, Jesus, that he gives us his spirit, that he is with us, that he is going to journey with us. Um, and that if we want to, we can go on an amazing adventure with somebody who is writing the biggest, most interesting, wondrous story in the world that we get to be a part of and that, and that, that is, um, you know, that's on cosmic scales but that's right down to the details of our heart that he wants to be the lover of our soul and cares about the details of um, everything that's going on for us and that, that relationship with him as he changes us 
into more and more like him, that that is something that should flow out and to make us a blessing. And what does it look like to take seriously? Just pressing into those spaces where God wants to use us um, as we join in with that big story. Um, yeah, so I just, to finish, I just wanted to um, read the passage in Hebrews that reflects back on Abraham's story after Jesus has come and then includes us right at the end. Um, I've skipped sections of it. it. This passage, lots of you would know it, but it talks about um, many, many people of faith that we can look back on and be encouraged by and that we join in with um, in God's story. But um, I've just chosen the bits that are relevant to Abraham. Now, faith in, is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died, reflecting on all those other people too. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what they had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Lord Jesus, would you help us um, to just have our minds and imaginations captured more and more in ways that are so beyond what I can do now, but Jesus, would you teach us what it looks like to step out in faith? Would you help us today and this week to have ears to hear what you are asking us to do? Um, whether that is to step deeper into your personal blessing for us, to cast away lies um, that might be keeping us in slavery to sin or distraction, Jesus, would you call us deeper into a knowledge of who you are and who we are? Would we have faith to continue to pursue the people that you have really made us to be, that we would be your hands and feet in St. Clair, in our families, in our workplaces, in the places that you want to call us, Jesus? Ask that you would help us to, um, yeah, be confident to be um, foreigners and strangers on this land, Jesus, that we would not ever be too comfortable 
um, living here in Australia, Jesus, that you would call us deeper. Thank you that you are a God who holds on to us no matter where we are at, Jesus, uh, and that you, yeah, that you are always with us. Amen.